So I'm curious also to ask you a new research you combine working maybe from passive material to smart material like in Baltimore as well. So I'm curious to ask you, what do you think maybe is the optimum material? If you think about what kind of material you aspire to have, and do you think as a community we have to move from passive material to towards more smart material? Well, I, I, materials are extremely important for soft robotics, and I think the, well, we, we need specific materials for specific applications. Uh, I, I tend to work on smart materials, uh, so both, both for the pump and also for the work, for the work on the gripper. Um, those are all smart materials where they, they, they have electrodes inside, they are electrically driven, um, so they are a combination, if we want, of materials that can, can can do something, can, can do some action in response to an, an electrical uh, st stimulus. Um, I, I think it's, it's extremely important now to start having materials that are specific to soft robotics applications, whether it's for, for just passive body materials or for active smart materials. So far, we have been mostly using adapting materials that have been developed for different uses and different applications. And I think it's now time, if we want to push forward the field, to have materials that are developed for soft robotics. And I mean really polymers that are kind of synthesized with the right properties for soft robotics. Like I, I, can, I can give more details for more specifically what I work on. Um, most of the devices that I develop are based on capacitive actuators. Uh, whether it's the electrical astomer actuators or yeah, similar and zip, zipping kind of actuators, they are all based on the fact that we essentially we have high force if we have high capacitance because the force is given by the by the Maxwell stress. So we we tend to we tend to have to to want material that can be made in thin films and that have large breakdown strength and high electrical permittivity. And those are surprisingly hard to find, especially if we want them to be soft. So we tend to be creative and yeah, kind of mix things together, create, take particles and mix uh, particles with polymers. Um, so we do what we can. We are not in, I am not a material scientist. Also in, in our lab, we are not material scientists. Uh, we use materials more than develop materials. So it would actually be great to have, so I don't know about the ideal material, but have materials that, have, that are synthesized and developed for, for our class of applications. So maybe I'm curious to ask you this question in, the, in this regard about smart material. For example, when you design, for example, for example of stretchable bump for a student may be interested in, the first uh, step in designing the smart material how the communication is going with material science? How you tell them that's what I'm looking for? Well, for example, when you start this idea, I want to do X, Y, Z, and that what I imagine. How you figure out this would be the significant parameter in design, or this is the morphology I'm looking for. So how it's, how which of it is it challenging for you to design um, uh, such a system with using a smart material in that case? Yeah, how it was it challenging for you and the design process, how it goes for you? Yeah, it's the, the design space is huge. So the, the, first, the first consideration I should, I should say is that it highly depends on our understanding of the phenomenon. So 
for example. If we talk about dielectrical elastomer actuators, for these ones, we now have a pretty clear understanding of the physics. We have simple models that explain very well what is going on. So in that case, it's fairly easy to talk to a material scientist and say, look, I want a material that can be made in thin films, and that is soft, and that is as high breakdown strength, high electrical permittivity. So parameters are well clear there. So it's possible to interact with material scientists. It's, I, I go back to the previous concept. It's another story whether or not we can convince them to take the effort to, to, to research on these materials. For that, we, we need also a clear application and a path for the technology. Um, but then I, I move back. Um, if, we, if we have instead a more novel technology, like for the stretchable pumps, what we use is called electrohydrodynamics. That's a much less understood physical principle. It's very complicated. There is a lot playing, on, playing in it. There is electrochemistry. There is fluid dynamics. Uh, there is electrophoresis. So it's, it, it's really complex to understand and there is still a lot of fundamental research that needs to be done before we have a model that gives us all the different scaling laws. So for that, we well, there, there, there is a lot of kind of physical intuition. So we know more or less what kind of parameters we need. Uh, we look at literature. We try to take a look at similar systems or systems that use a very close similar principle but have been developed in different fields, like for electrohydrodynamics. There has been efforts, for example, for cooling supercomputers that have been done a few years ago. This has nothing to do with actuation, has nothing to do with soft robotics, but looking at those papers, it was possible to have a starting point for materials and then start using those ones. Um, so then there, yeah, there is also a bit of trial and error. I can't, I can't really uh, hide that. Uh, because it's it's in an early stage. But then I imagine also for this, maybe in five years, after we will have a better understanding that we have the scaling laws, we have the fundamental equations. So at that point, it's easier to talk to material scientists. In Gerstos Q, since you have this expertise, I think that's a question also we ask in the field. For example, we speak about uh, ionic conductive polymer in that case, or polymers in general. Um, we witnessed sometimes there is a trade-off between the mechanical performance and the response time. So if you would like to have a high forces, sometimes it would be very slow and vice versa. Do you think it is like definite to have a trade-off in designing smart material? You can't get all the functionalities. Or may, of course it depends on the context of application, but if we want high forces with high speed, why is it not still possible to do that, for example, with any conductive polymer? Do you have any experience like that? This kind of the trade-off, and you ever wondered why I can't get the same functionality at this, with the same desired constraint you have in your system? Hmm, well, I think it depends. I, I don't know much about ionic conductive polymers, so I can't say much on those. But I may, I, I, for what I know, there is situations where we really hit the, the, the limits of the physics for the materials. Um, for example, we know that when we increase the dielectric permittivity of a material, necessarily we decrease the breakdown strength. Well, not all the times, but there is, there is kind of a, a, a threshold over there that we hit. 
and we can't we can't go forward. Um, or uh, for our liquids, for example, that we use for for the stretchable pumps. Um, again, there, if we want to have liquids with higher permittivity, generally those have either more conductive, electrically conductive, which we don't like, or more viscous, which we also don't like. Um, and there is there is something intrinsic to the to the physics because for higher permittivity, for example, we need long molecules, and if we have long molecules, then we tend to have a viscous liquid. So there is sometimes those kind of trade-offs that depend just on really on the physics. Well, other times it's just because we we are still early in research and we don't have enough understanding. Um, again, the materials are adapted rather than developed specifically for the applications we, we do in soft robotics. And so for those, I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, those trade-offs are now, uh, we have them nowadays, but perhaps in, in 10 days, we will go well beyond them. Uh, because what you mentioned, essentially response time and force, well, that's essentially the power. Uh, so in fact, for, for us, for in, in our lab, when we design a new actuator, we always look at the power density because this gives us essentially the product of the two, right? The product of, of the response time and the force. And if we have higher power density, no matter what, we are happier. Uh, there, there is no trade-off required, right? We are just happier. Then once we have a higher power density actuator, then we can tune it based on the application. We can choose something with higher force or we can choose something with, with faster response time. And, and, and if I can add something on this, I, I think that's also one reason why people like fluidic actuators, uh, both in soft robotics, but also in general, if we think at hydraulics, that's widely used. And I think the reason is because using fluids enables, enables us to design the system independently from what the transducer is, what the pump is. We can always design the transmission and then the final actuator to have either higher force or higher speed, because that's essentially the power. The power is constant, and then just based on essentially the sides of of the area where, where where the fluid is acting for a fixed flow rate, then we can get something that deforms faster, or that if it's if it's a larger area that provides a larger force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 